I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz pod. This season is almost here. So we're back to look ahead to the 2023-24 campaign. I can't wait. I can't wait. Honestly, it's, it feels like it's been forever. Uh, I'm once again joined by Tom Burdell and Jordan Weimer. Guys, are, are you feeling like you're on the, on the cusp of something that you can at least start to get excited about football again? Not as excited. As- yeah, I think so. I feel like it's been... <laughs> A short pre-season. We're so excited. We're talking over each other. That's how excited we are. Um, no, sorry, Tom. Um, no, I am excited in in a lot of ways. It feels like it's been a short pre-season and a long pre-season. I can't really or off-season, I should say. It feels like we just ended a, a, a kind of couple of weeks ago. But at the same time, I don't know. It's a strange one. I anyway, yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the game. We've been talking so much about. Um, about everything other than playing football for for quite a while now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having something to discuss about an actual ball being kicked around a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I'm just so gutted that I'm at a wedding on Saturday that I'm not going to be able to take in the first game. It's very it's very infuriating. I'm going to be sat there, I think, whilst the, the food is being served just with my phone on the table and everyone's going to be thinking I'm very antisocial. But uh, hey, I've, I've got to be... Uh, I've got to be present in some way for the for the first game. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, I'll be able to disperse my ticket through the uh, through the club and, and get it to somebody who wants to to watch the game. Right, let's get into some of the nitty gritty. Then there has been some news since we since we last uh, came together. I'm not sure where you want to want to start, but I suppose the biggest thing of late was the Daniel Backman news. He signed a new five-year deal, uh, and also we'll come on to this in a bit later. But he's been made captain as well. But let's start off with the five-year deal and and find out if uh, you guys are, are are warming to that decision, or if you're in the camp of not quite sure, or the camp of this is an utter disgrace and we need to uh, complain and, and put our feelings out on all of the social media avenues. 
What do you reckon? Should we start with you, Jordan? I think we've started Tom because I brutally interrupted him in the beginning of the show. So I'm going to give Tom a second to, to start <laughs> off <with> this one. <laughs> Tom, you go ahead. Oh, you may regret that. Um, look, I've put my feelings out there. I always, when I use our Twitter account, the Waffle Buzz Twitter account, I try not to make it too much my own feelings. So I instead retweet my feelings from that account, from my personal account. But my feelings are out there. I just don't think it's a big deal. I just don't think it's a big deal. Caveat. He's not necessarily a player I would have picked because um, I think you need someone who's a little bit more in control of their emotions than he has demonstrated himself to be. Witness the moronic red card against Huddersfield Town at the end of last season. He got seven bookings last season, which for a goalkeeper is some going. I'm not sure how many of those were... um, descent based and if I'd really done my research as I was boasting at the start of this pod I would have told you how many that was but uh, put it this way at least a couple are going to have been for descent um have you gone headlong into the captain uh story rather than the the five year I mean you can you can do whichever one you want Tom what did you ask for first sorry (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering what your opinion on the five-year deal was but if you want to talk about the captain no no, look that's fine we're still getting into the swing of things aren't we it is still pre-season let me just touch on the five years because that's quick and then we can throw it back to Jordan the five-year thing it's a little bit weird for a guy who is as divisive as he is right I don't he's not a clear asset like a Jao Pedro or an Imran loser but we know it's what the club and what Pozzo does to protect the value but I also think it protects the club a little bit in that in 12 months time say we have a really good season Dan Backman gets 15 to 20 clean sheets and clubs are sniffing around him it gives us a little bit of protection as well it means that he and his agent then can't go to the club and say oh hang on you know we've had a good year we deserve an extra 20%, whatever it is, pay rise to stay or we're off, it it puts him kind of firmly in a position where we control his destiny now for what are essentially the best years of a goalkeeper's career, probably. He's 29, he'll be 34 by the time it's up. I I don't have a huge problem with that. Obviously, the caveat here is he's here for five years and if it goes the other way and he stinks the place out, which, you know, some people expect and think he's been doing already, then you're stuck with him. But... I always think with Udinese, we've just got that little recycle bin option. We can just just drag him and drop him in the recycling bin of Udinese and it's absolutely fine. So, yeah, I'm I'm fairly relaxed about it. And I also think the fact that it's been done this summer of all summers, you kind of assume it's a, a wage we'd be comfortable with in the mid to long term. If this was last year, then maybe we would have committed to something that was overreaching. But... Uh, I'm I'm fine with it. Contracts mean effectively nothing these days anyway, don't they? So, yeah, I'm chilled. Jordan, what about you? <laughs> um, I, it's a, I think it's one that we're not going to fully, or me personally, I'm not going to fully have my opinion settled until this. it kind of sees itself out a little bit. But I think I think the the, the opinion of, of Backman as a player is, is pretty varied. Um, some people rate him quite highly or relatively highly. Some think he's really, really bad. I think he's probably somewhere in between. I think he's around league average um, and above and below that, depending on what area area you're looking at in particular. Uh, so five years, it's not it's not ideal. That It's not the way that everyone would want it to be. But the thing, the one thing I will say is Backman's had quite a... Well, firstly, he signed as a third-choice goalkeeper. Um, there's been some, some kind of discussion of his deal being low. I don't know if it's perhaps as low as it was initially discussed as being in terms of his, his salary but 
even so i'm sure it's a pretty team friendly deal up to now and even with an improvement on that i, th- I think for a five-year contract he's probably also got a relatively team friendly friendly deal uh, the thing that makes that a little bit more kind of optimistic in my mind is that he has played as both number one and two um you know over extended periods and you know, in the build-up to promotion he played a lot and then in the premier league he was on the bench and you know, his role has changed quite a bit so if you look at him as a five-year option but not necessarily you know forced he's not necessarily kind of claimed that number one spot for five years i think it's still perfectly perfectly feasible that come this summertime someone else comes in at goal and you know they can earn that spot i don't think we're committing to daniel backman in goal for the next five years uh, in which case i don't think it's quite as it's quite as bad as long as that is the situation where there is that flexibility still and it's not a contract which is so extreme you know you can't even consider bringing in a first choice goalkeeper because they can't you know compete with two players salary wise in that position but yeah I'm, I'm not feeling i'm not feeling terrible about it it's, it's just a very kind of mid-level um kind of re-signing of a contract that's just maybe a little bit longer than it should be but you know, we've we've got to choose our battles in some way. There's a lot of work. I think there's still some to be done. We've had a lot of a lot of outgoings, and they're obviously limited to what they can bring in. So they had to secure that one. They felt that was the best way they could kind of proceed in that position and, and not allow it to be a position of of real need. Should he have decided that uh, you know he wanted to look for other options or or what have you in the future? Mm. I'm not sure where I'm feeling on this one. I I, I feel as though a new contract was uh, deserved. Um, I, but like a few people, I don't feel like he is the best goalkeeper in the championship. And I probably wouldn't put him in the top half either. I'd say is very middling. And so a five-year deal just seems like the wrong decision from purely a, is he good enough point of view? In terms of protecting the asset, I do agree with that. I feel like Watford have been burnt very recently from that because, of course, Ismaili Assar, who was in the last year of his deal, ended up going for less than he perhaps could have gone if he had another year left to run still. Um, but then, conversely, um, he got burnt with the fact that they've had Cabaselli sitting on the books for several years because they gave him a long deal and he probably shouldn't have been around for the last couple at least. So... It's hard to know what what the right decision is here. To be honest, I, I think it was if it was me, I'd have probably given him a three year deal rather than a five. But you know, but he's a goalkeeper after all. I suppose you know they, their their careers do tend to go a bit longer and and they do tend to peak in their later years. So I think it depends on the equation though, because I mean I understand protecting the asset, but if you're talking about Daniel Backman in particular, what's what do you feel is a what do you feel is a higher a higher probability? with a five-year contract for Dan Backman that he is an asset we're protected against, we can collect a large fee for him in the future, or we're stuck with a contract that we've got a player who's you know, not necessarily a starter. And I think the latter is probably more likely. And again, if it's a team-friendly deal, it doesn't really matter too much, but I don't see um, I don't see any sort of fee in the future for Backman that's going to kind of that's going to be you know, moving any real ground. I think it's going to be probably a case of if we do sell, it's going to be for around you know the, the lower end of what we'd expect for for a starting goalkeeper. But that, you know maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that would be proven wrong in the in the next couple of years. I'm not entirely sure. But um, yeah, it's just an odd one. I think it's somewhat underwhelming, and that's almost been part of the problem itself with a bit of lack of activity to see kind of the, uh, quite a neutral re-signing has, has made a few a little bit more angry than, than perhaps necessary. 
Mm. And um, now let's move on to the the captaincy then, because that was announced during the same piece of news. It was the five-year deal and also he's been made the captain of the club. Some people hold a lot of weight on that. Some people don't really mind too much. Others don't think that a captain really does the same job that perhaps they did 10 years ago. Well, let's start off. Uh, who, who started last time, Tom? So let's go for Jordan then. Jordan, what's your opinion? Firstly, on, I guess, a captain in general, and then on that being uh, given to to Mr. Backman. Yeah, I mean, I think we had we had a bit of a debate about this in the in the group chat, didn't we, a couple of days ago as well. But I think, mm. you know, for me... I think captaincy is a is is a complex role, but I think maybe as fans we put a little bit more weight into it, especially in terms of on the on the pitch um, input and, and and how it really affects things for the for the team. I'm not convinced that it's as as big as it used to be or as big as it was considered to be, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. Even there is still an important aspect to it, um, especially when it comes to off the field stuff. You know, they play a, a good role or a big role for the club, and there are things expected of them. Um, and you know, accountability and so on is all, is all there. But in, in terms of being on the pitch and and motivating and and being that difference maker in in, in terms of pulling the team together, I just don't think it has as much practical, um, you know, implications as it, as, it, as it's maybe talked about. Um, I think it elevates the player more often than not that that is wearing the armband. That's quite often the biggest impact. It may, if there's any, honestly, if I had to say probably the biggest impact in the pitch that it can have for you as a team, as a team, it's probably having a good rapport with the officials and maybe giving you some leniency at times where you, you wouldn't otherwise. But, you know, I, I think that Backman's someone who, who would be in that, in that mold and, and would be elevated by having the armband that added responsibility and trust might, you know, channel some of that perceived petulance and anger and frustration might channel that into something a little bit more positive. And he is one of the longest serving players here now. And if Ismail has seen something in him that he, he deems to be of, of good leadership quality, or, or maybe he thinks that, you know what, I can, Get this guy up another level by giving him this responsibility. Then, then, then why not? I, I don't really mind who 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 is captain too much as long as it feels right for the head coach and and for the group of players. Which really we get quite a, a, a distance view of to begin with. So I'm I'm not concerned particularly. I think that's the key point that Jordan makes there. It's not something that we have we are best positioned to comment on. We see them for ninety minutes. Plus, you know, the warm-ups, I guess, if you're there that early, uh, each, uh, every other week, perhaps, um, the staff, the coach, the rest of the squad, see him work with him day-to-day, out of sight, at the training ground, which is where, you know, face face it, they do kind of 90% of their work at the training ground. It's very hard for us to judge. My strong opinion, and I've written and I've said in our WhatsApp group and I've said on Twitter, is that I just, I don't think it really matters that much. I think in this country, we get very hung up on the captaincy, it used to happen a lot with the England captain. It's kind of died down a bit in recent years, but we are, um, if not unique, then what in a minority of kind of major European nations that put such store in who is the captain abroad. It is very much just the most experienced or the most capped player. Real Madrid, for example, this season, I've said this to death and I'll say it again, just in case anyone hasn't heard it, their captain this year is going to be Nacho, who is probably their fourth choice centre-half. He'll play plenty because they just don't have a huge squad. 
and they're in a lot of competitions, but they're arguably the biggest club in the world. Barcelona, their captain's going to be Sergio Roberto, who's a central midfielder who never plays in central midfield because they need him at right back more. Probably isn't even the first choice there. And again, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And I think that the point there is just that, you know, if they can kind of keep spinning as football clubs and competing for honours with guys who aren't even uh, regulars as their captains, then I just don't think it matters. It's far more important to have a lot of leaders on the field in the squad. And that is a separate issue. I don't know about you two. And again, we're obviously making judgments from afar, but I don't feel like we have a vast amount of leaders within this group. I Kind of expected Wesley Hoop to get it. I still need to, I really need to nail that one down this season. I kind of expected him to get it because he looked like he'd had it in one or two pictures in pre-season. Um, a lot of experience at a high level. Was a Dutch international at one point um, and, and seems to be kind of that authoritative figure. But uh, yeah, I'm not unhappy, put it that way. I find it a little bit of a strange choice, but I just don't think it matters as much as... Um, other people might. Mm. I think a lot of people have their opinions on Dan Backman, um, but the the shock of the five years coupled with the captain who, uh, it, I think it upset a few people and um, they really turned to Twitter and, and other social medias to, to voice that opinion. And there, there hasn't been such a backlash against something for a little while, probably since Rob Edwards. That's probably the last time when this kind of vocal voice came out. You think? Uh, God, it's been so much over the last year or so. I mean, yeah, it was it was definitely an outpouring of frustration. I think this is probably something along those lines, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's one which... I think the timing of it, if anything, was what was the, was the worst aspect of it. I think had this been announced... At the begin, at the end of the season, or the, right at the beginning of preseason, but this was it was announced just at a time where people were starting to think, you know, the, the, the clock's ticking, we're getting closer to the season, we're we haven't signed as many as we thought we were going to, and the frustration was kind of at a at a boiling point already, and then that was just that that final little little piece there, which really pushed a few people over the edge. So I I don't know. I think I think the the timing has a has a big part to play in it. I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's maybe as big of a deal as as, as it felt like. Mm. If that makes any sense. If if I'm being asked the question, I would say he isn't the best choice for captain. Uh, the number one reason is because he's a goalkeeper, and as a goalkeeper, I know how difficult it is to have any real input in things like discussing things with the referee. Uh, or perhaps getting the the tactical um, opinion from the from the gaffer out to the rest of the squad, just because you're so fixed to that position, and if you come too far out, you really jeopardise potentially, um, you know, the the next phase of play. It's it's not worth doing so, and it's just not the right place to be to be trying to orchestrate the squad. And I think that's one of the big parts of the captain. Um, I also think that uh, he maybe isn't inspiring enough. He hasn't. I mean, sometimes the captain, for me at least, needs to have done something that kind of earns the respect on the field. And I'm just not really sure if he's if he's if he's done that yet. If he's if he's you know won something or been at that big club or, or done the thing that's going to make all the other players around go, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to listen to this guy. 
that's but, but do you but do you feel like that because you want you want to see that from the representative of your club or do you feel like that because that's what you'd oh, want to a football pitch um yeah cuz cuz have you ever bit like do, do you know what i mean like it, when if you're all professionals like how and there are there are, there are exceptions don't get me wrong you know if there, there are teams that all they will sign and have the, these talismanic players, these signings, which you know they are, they are a level above, or they have achieved something so you know so great in their career that it does inspire that sort of um, that sort of you know that following from a team where you do look up to them and all these sorts of things. But I think that is, I think those sorts of captains are the are the exception, and that would be great. I think every club would love to have that, but I think the general day to day role. Uh, for the majority of the of the teams, you know, in in the league and in the country and in the world, it's not quite as grandiose as that. I, I don't know if I don't know if it's always, if it always needs to be that. Is that? I think a lot of the time people grow into that, and 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 with reflection, you look back at it and go, "Oh, so and so was a great captain. He was a you know this that he achieved the other." But you know, like Roy Keane's always kind of someone that. <laughs> Certainly, growing up in the '90s, was heralded as a great captain, but he hadn't achieved a lot by the time he came to Man United and 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 kind of earned the captaincy. Uh, you know, he was fairly young at that point. John Terry was very much a homegrown lad. You know that they, Chelsea obviously were a very different club when he got the armband, but he wasn't kind of a star defender or anything like that. Stephen Gerrard was another one. You know, kind of local lad and and whatnot, and but but grew with the captaincy and arguably. Probably the two were symbiotic. He became a better player as he became more of a leader and more renowned globally, and 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 so on and so forth. I get, I totally get what you're saying, Matt, and that's why I actually thought that who might be the one because if you look at our squad as it stands, if you're looking for someone that's achieved something in the game, I think you're struggling for a start, and I think you probably land at Jake Livermore, maybe. You know, England international played a. Decent chunk of his career in the prim. Um, you want, someone, you I, I want someone that's going to be on the pitch, though, don't you? After that's that's after Clever, exactly it. You know? That's it exactly. It needs to be someone that's going to play uh, regularly. So, mind you, look at. Look, well, hang on, you just you just made the point that the Real Madrid captain isn't going to play regularly. <laughs> that's true. Retract that from the record. <laughs> no, no, I think, but no, but what you're saying, I, I think the difference is though. The difference is for a team such as Watford, I think when, when Watford are going through so much, there is an argument for having someone on the pitch that is you know, is able to bring that extra element, that extra level. But I think, I also think it's not a particularly deep group in regards to the players that tick those boxes, whether it's for, you know, whether it's for like their own reasons, the ways they can elevate the player themselves, whether it's for... The, the reasons that you've out, outlined, Matt, I don't think it's a particularly strong kind of list of candidates. And I, I don't know, I just I, I just don't, I don't think it's enough to get worked up about too much. And that's not to be patronising to anyone that does feel strongly about this because it's just, it's just an opinion. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we, we're talking about other captains and, you know, in, in terms of that sort of captaincy and that sort of role, who was the last player that you really felt like, even just at Watford, that was really that that embodiment of that sort of captain? Because I, I know Troy Deeney gets mentioned a lot, but I'm not convinced he was. I think I said this in the chat. I think he was. He was a great. He was, I he thought was, Jay Demerit was a pretty decent captain, and and G- Gavin Marn as well. Yeah, and my point on Deeney was that I, I think he was 
a good captain for the fans because he he was that physical embodiment of the, on the pitch of the fans at times. He played with you know that level of intensity and and passion and desire for a good while that we needed. He said things at the right times for us. Um, he behaved, you know, he showed that level of passion which we wanted, and I think he was a good inspiration for himself for sure. I think he motivated himself, and I think it he he was motivated by being captain and being kind of the man. But I'm not entirely sure he was always you know, that rallying cry. He was giving that rallying cry to the players and that he was really that motivational for the squad as a whole. He might have been that consistency with a lot of turmoil and turnover, but I'm not sure he was necessarily that um, kind of ideal captain that's discussed. And I think you talk about Gavin Mann and Jaden Mirror. I think they're probably closer to that in my opinion. Was Dyche the captain? Or was that Mackay at the time? He was for a bit. No, Dyche was captain for a bit. I think... um, on on Deeney, and without going back and kind of rating every captain in recent history, I think it's a good point. I think he's almost like a talisman rather than a captain. He was someone that everyone looked up to, as you say. He kind of threw himself about the pitch and kind of haired around like a lunatic in the way that we like to think we'd all do and we all want to want to see players. He scored goals. He had a great backstory in the end. Um, you know, he seemed to get it, whatever that kind of means. Um but I think some of the more successful captains or kind of ones that have displayed real leadership are guys like Jaden Merritt and Gavin Marne. Neil Cox would be another one. Guys that have kind of been the, you know, at the, at the, at the rudder. At the rudder? Is that the right bit of the ship? Anyway, they've been at the wheel of the ship at least. <laughs> the during, helm, uh, I think. I sp- the helm, yeah. I mean, a good captain should know the right <laughs> part of the ship to be at, I suppose. But they've been there during crap times. And I'll take Neil Cox, for example, right? You know, had to overcome adversity. Viali didn't want him at all. Tried to get rid of him. Trained with the reserves. Kind of forced his way back in at right back. Ended up playing centre half. But he was in that team that was great in the sum of its parts and went to the FA Cup semi-final, League Cup semi-final. He was the one that went to the boards and the players and negotiated the pay deferral when we were up against it and stuff like that. And that's not to denigrate what more successful captains, more heralded captains like Troy Deeney have done. It's just to say, I think that's, a much clearer embodiment, realisation of leadership for me. So, yeah, we've got quite deep here. Yeah, no, I think I think also one more point. One more point on that. Last thing I'll say is I think too, I think when you talk about those players in particular, and you mentioned the Demerits and the Gavin Mann, I think one kind of overarching feeling I get from those guys, there's, there's an element of selflessness and a, a lot of their leadership comes from from that. And I, I think you could make quite a strong argument for Troy not exactly being the most self... Like he, not exactly being the most um, generous in terms of the way he conducts himself. I think he could often be considered a little bit selfish at times, especially with some of the comments that are made. And he put the team into some in some bad situations on, on occasion as well. I just I don't think uh, I don't think a true leader in that in that circumstance loses their call cool like like Troy has done and and makes some of those same mistakes repeatedly. And I'm not trying to just sit here and bash Troy because, you know, we all have our feelings about about what he did. But it, it, it's it's a complex issue, but I think it's one that can still even even then be a little bit overblown when it comes to someone like Daniel Backlink being given the uh, being given the armband. But I mean, it's kept us talking about it for the last twenty minutes, so clearly it is. It has, relevant. it has, and I want to move on from this because uh, we've been we've been dwelling on it for too long. But very very quickly, I've got ten points. Uh, what I think a good captain should be. I don't want to discuss them. Just say yes or no, 
And Tom, if you can count up the yeses and then we'll have an idea of whether whether anyone else thinks that this is a good to, for, for a captain. All right, number one, has to be a regular starter. Yep. No. Has to be respected by the majority of the squad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Has to be vocally and visually motivating. Mm, no. Vocally and... Quick as you can, guys. <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say <laughs> Two no nos. without explaining yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Two no's, okay. Has to lead by example. Yes. Yeah. Has to be the gaffer's choice. As in, it can't be the technical director's choice. No. Like, you know, say if uh, there was already a captain in place and a new a new manager arrived. No, I think it's more important that the players respect them. Yeah, I'm going to say no to that one. Okay. Has to be experienced. So let's say that's at least 100 appearances in the league at some point. No. 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 Has to be inspiring to the generation coming through. No. No. Has to do community engagement work for the club. No. <laughs> no, yeah. No. It's a nice to have. Yeah. Has to inf- <laughs> has to enforce the squad fines. No. Some someone can do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go with no on that sense too. Yeah. Oh, good lad. <laughs> has to quickly and efficiently deliver the gaffer's updated tactics or substitute requests to players during the game. No. I don't know if that ever happens enough, really. So no. Okay. And finally, it has to know the rules of the game, including recent changes, and be able to communicate fairly and respectfully to the referee to fight for his team's decisions. Yes. Yes. How many did we get there? <laughs> well, Jordan and I didn't disagree on a single one, believe it or not. Uh, one, <laughs> two, three, four yeses. Or so, four so yeses. Eight, eight okay. out of 20, four out of 10. Do you reckon Backman is able to comp- do those four yeses that you, that you went for? I think so, yeah. In that case, I think he'll be a good captain. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we've, we've figured that one out for everyone. So Anyway, he will be assisted by Ben Hamer, Wesley Hoot, Jake Livermore, Imran Luz and Ken Semmer, who are all part of the leadership group. Uh, interesting that as well, that that was published, because I think that most teams have a leadership group, but they don't always uh, communicate that to the fans who they are. So that was interesting. Yeah, I think it's just uh, it's the language around it, isn't it? I, I think, you know, some clubs go, this is our first captain through to fifth captain. Other clubs just go, this is the, you know, there's no there's no rules. I think it's, a, it's interesting to know. But I think it also points to the, the, the point we were making about the kind of lack of options, really. You look at that group and you go, the guy who was third choice goalkeeper last season, a bloke who's been here two weeks in Jake Livermore, Ken Semmer, who's kind of, you know, in and out of the team, in and out of favour, uh, who, who, yeah, it's kind of question marks over, and I can't remember who the other one was. Loser, yeah. So, oh, loser, who, yeah, again, doesn't necessarily strike me as the most obvious one. So I think, I think that speaks to the point that, that we were making. There's just, I don't know who else would do it, really, at the moment. Okay, cool. Let's move on to the next point of business. Um, and it's been rejigged a bit today because we got the news that Jao Ferreira has departed for Udinese on a season-long loan. I mean, what, eight months after signing from Benfica on what was a four-and-a-half-year deal for around £2 million? This one was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Yeah, I, was- I kind of figured that there were three right-backs Jao Ferreira, Jeremy Ngakia and Ryan Andrews and, and Gakia was probably the odd man out in that he'd been here the longest over time, just hadn't kicked on, had a poor uh, performance by all accounts against Palace. I know you watched that one, Jordan, and by all accounts he was awful. 
and and Ferreira just seemed like a much more natural fit going forwards. His kind of ability to play as a wing back, I'm not sure you could say that about Ngakia. So for someone that only arrived in January to be kind of cast aside, it makes you think maybe there's something more to it. Did Ismail not fancy him? Did he not fancy playing in the championship again? I, I don't know. It's just, but then you'd say the timing. This this one, this is one where it would be nice to get a bit of that context that we were getting with moves last summer. Um, because I'm totally and utterly confused. Yeah, same. I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's disappointing because I think Ferreira's kind of the the profile of players you'd hope would be bringing into the club a little bit more, you know, working in some slightly different markets, bringing in some younger guys that can develop. We're in a, a situation where I was feeling that right back was probably one of the strongest spots in the team just because, you know, Andrews has come through, he looks really promising, but it, it's still quite a big... It's quite a big change that suddenly he's a starting right back for us in the championship. It's not it's not a guarantee that he'll he'll be able to you know keep up that level of of uh, performance or you know stay injury free and all these things. And I think Ferreira had his own injury issues, so it felt like a one of the better situations to have two players of quality and they can still be happy because they're both probably going to get pretty good number of minutes. Um, no matter who was kind of the favourite of the two, just by you know the, the, the individual situations that were in. And yeah, it's disappointing because then you're left with Jeremy and Gaki, who, as you said, he's not been he's not been particularly good. I think he's had plenty of opportunities now. He's been, been under a number of coaches, and he's he's never really broken into the team. And he's I say, if anything, he's regressed a little bit from where he was early on in his in his time with us. So I, I do feel that the team's weaker, uh, and I, I know I've seen that. Uh, that that Ismail wanted to have just two players in every position, which of course every coach does. But it felt like given the situation of the individuals that we'd, we'd perhaps be able to carry three, um, if not move on from Ngakia. So it's a little bit disappointing to feel like we're losing a player that was talented and potentially useful uh, and have been left weaker for it. And it seems there's no no plans to uh, to bring in any more competition for that position. So it, I, I guess we're going forward with with Andrews and Ngakia, but I just feel I feel much less comfortable about you know the risk of... Uh, of dropping performance or injury for Andrews now. It's, I'm a little bit concerned about the, the right-back position. I mean, the obvious choice is that if you only want two players in that position, then you go with Ferreira and you go with Andrews. But from a financial point of view, you have to think, well, we can't get rid of Ngaki without paying off his wages, right? If no one wants him, then surely Ferreira is the easiest man to get rid of because we can put him across to... Udinese, we have that option and they will take him and that gives us that uh, spot that, that we that we wanted, apparently. Yeah, I mean, you have to feel really good on it. You have to have, feel really good in Andrews to, to make that decision, I think. Um, but, you know, Ngakia's missed plenty of time when he's not even starting, you know? Like, I, I, you can't you can't rely on Jeremy Ngakia to even be there at that second spot. That, that's, I don't know, I, I just think it's a... It's, it's unfortunate, and I know we're we're not opposed to kind of taking these sort of gambles. We've traditionally done it on left back. We've been a little bit shorter left back, or we've had some injury concerns, but still gone with the the group that we had. And I don't know. I'm just not. I'm I'm just not convinced in this one. This is the first. There've been lots of outgoings. And I think up until now, pretty much everyone I've understood or, or got behind this one. I'm not as convinced. But again, I don't know the exact reasons behind it in terms of what. Ismail's opinion of Ferreira was and you know what was Ferreira's situation here 
was he happy? Was he, you know, was 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 a team happy with him? I don't entirely know, but just on the on the surface, it it feels a little bit disappointing for me. And I'm, until there's more clarity given, if there if there is, then it's going to be a little bit of a, an uncertain one, I think. Mm. And Martins has lost his Portuguese speaking buddy as well, so it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, I guess the, this means Andrews is the is this is the starter now, right? Because surely we can't be contemplating Ngakia as being you know, anywhere near the first team. I hope so. I I hope it's Andrews, yeah. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he is young. He's had a real kind of quick rise to prominence here. Um, I don't think, you know, casting my mind back, there was any talk about him getting into the first team really last season before it happened. Was it Coventry away where he got kind of thrown in out of the blue and it was just like, bloody hell, what's happened here? Um you know, and he kind of rode the crest of a wave to that point, and it was very easy for him to stand out above a fairly mediocre bunch. Obviously, the homegrown thing, the fact he's Wayne Andrews' son as well, is nice, nice little bet to it. He's going to play a lot of games this this season. I hope he's going to have some bad games as well. He's going to have some stinkers, and he's going to have some great games because he's a young player and they're inconsistent by nature. I hope we, as a club, stick by him and and you know give him the opportunities he deserves and the protection he deserves, and I hope we do as fans as well because I think. Um, it's very easy to go in expecting him to be at the kind of the level of a senior pro. He's only what nineteen or twenty. He's not played much football at all. Eight. Oops. Wow, there you go. So he's even younger than I realised. Uh, oh, to be that young. Um, he he needs patience and kindness and backing, and I hope he gets it because I think there's a a decent player there personally. When you're a homegrown youngster, you always get that, don't you? It, it, it sort of just is natural that the fans want that type of player to succeed. So I think he'll he'll get um, the, uh, the the let offs that he will maybe deserve, maybe not deserve when he you know makes some mistakes as he goes through this season that perhaps some other players wouldn't have done. And he's young, and look, I think I think most fans do the same for any young player in some ways. You now I think we're probably for the same for Espria and so on too, but. What I will say is against um, against Palace in pre-season, the first half Jeremy and Gakia played at, at that right-back position and we looked very stagnant on the right-hand side. Things just really weren't clicking. The left-hand side looked much better, you know, with Morris even that was, and, uh, and we were able to get forward a little bit and have some joy. And the second half when Andrews came on, instantly things looked different and we were we were getting some width, we were getting some, some you know, progression of the ball through, through carrying from Andrews. And he was influential in the in the goal as well. He drove forward and got the ball across, and you know led to the goal after another assist, after another clever flick on from from Martins. But it really came from Andrews driving up the pitch and and getting to the byline. That was something we were just severely lacking in that first half. I know it's one game. We're talking about one action there as well, but just to just to kind of display the fact that he can be a difference maker from that right back position. He has got some really good physical attributes, and whilst he is young. Um, I, I think he does offer you something. He's got to, he's got to still, you know, continue that um, that level of performance and, and potentially even progress from there and you know remain fit and so on. But there, there, there is reason to be to be quite positive. I just think it would be nice to have a little bit more of a little bit more insurance there as opposed to to kind of putting all of our eggs on, in one basket and and hoping that that he can maintain that. But you know, you have to have there are you have to take the the wins and losses where you can and I, I guess this is one they've deemed 
they uh, they're willing to uh, to part with Ferreira and, and go with what we have. Yeah, Jao Ferreira becomes another one of the exits out the door. Then, not a lot of talk of players coming in in that position, at least. So it's probably done and dusted there. There's not much talk elsewhere across the pitch other than striker. That's the only sort of position that's really being mentioned a lot. And I guess that's because it, we feel very weak up there at the moment, guys. I know I do. The uh, the immediate kind of question, I suppose, is whether it's Bayo or Healy that starts. I think you can kind of say there are question marks against both men. And then after that, I don't think Pacetto is actually an option. So you're probably looking at Toby Adeyemo, who, you know, it'd be great to see him benefit from the expanded substitutes bench this season. It's nine substitutes this season for those who aren't aware. You can use five, so you know. Reasonably, <laughs> I'm not assume... sure we'll get nine to get on there. Well, ex- oh, yeah, exactly. So on that basis, hopefully he will be. Um, but I don't know where the kind of goals are, are coming from. Um, it's it's uh, it's definitely an area of concern for me. Yeah, so it's the next one to solve, along with kind of central midfield. Yeah, the the, the striker position is well, it's it's weak. In a in a way, um, we definitely we we discussed in previous episodes, hadn't we, about the the, stri- the type of striker that Ismail generally uses, and I think we definitely don't have that right now. We've been linked to a couple, obviously, and I think striking the striker position is one that we will fill or at least add another body to. Uh, I think Healy and Bio give you different things, and I, I think that we'd be looking for kind of a third option in terms of profile of player for the that third striker spot. But I, I'm not I'm not against that. I think having a variety of options is useful, and um, I, I think that's a position that, that will get resolved. But what, what do you guys think about the centre back position? Because that's one that we've been the one that's been discussed as uh, as an area of need, and apparently an area an area that the club has also identified as somewhere they want to fill or, or reinforce. Uh, preferably a left-sided centre back, but it, is that is that also agreed upon? I haven't heard I haven't heard much about speculation of names, which always worries me because if they, if you don't have that, then often it's because the the club aren't looking there. But you're, you're right; there has been reports that, that that they want to add there, and you wouldn't be surprised with just four senior centre backs. I mean, that does seem like they're missing one, with one potentially playing in midfield. I th- I think I I will say though too we we discussed this as well previously but just do keep in mind how quickly these deals incoming and go- outgoing have come about and yeah, in previous we years we'd never have we'd never have heard about you know sorry we'd never have heard so late about these 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 things happening it was always a you know at least a week or so in advance we'd know who was coming in or, or out the door and then suddenly now the likes of Hungbo's disappeared in, in a flash Ferreira in a flash you know there was no pre warning to any of these things. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so I, I wouldn't be... I think we are living in a time where you, you can see that what for the FC notification on your phone you find out in, on the second that we've yeah, signed exactly. someone. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that we're, we're not in the market for it because we haven't heard anything. But yeah, it, it's, it seems like a position we have to fill relatively, maybe urgently is maybe a little bit dramatic, but we, we do need that depth there. Probably wouldn't be someone you're guaranteed to come in and start, maybe not an upgrade on, the, on a player we have, but at least some competition and depth because... We've got some injuries in that group. You know, Syriata has missed some minutes. He might be asked to be in midfield. Pollock's not kind of established himself as starting quality for us yet. There's there's still some question marks. That that could be an area that could become quickly uh, an issue for us if we didn't have a little bit more depth there. Shall we have a look at some names that we have heard of for the striker position? The two names that we're hearing, Kiefer Moore, who's currently at Bournemouth, um, did wondrous things in the championship with was it Blackburn Rovers Wigan was it Wigan yeah no wait Cardiff sorry am I saying Wigan Cardiff I keep saying I keep saying for some reason I keep saying Wigan for Cardiff I did it last week too I, I really should be more um, better researched I, I, I feel like I picture him in like a wearing like a bluish shirt and uh, yeah of course it was Cardiff yeah, he has played for Wigan and Cardiff, in fairness. So, oh, well, it was just me that was wrong, man. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm thinking of Cardiff was his championship quality spell, though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was probably his best return in the championship. Yeah, yeah. I think it was on the books at Ipswich as well at one point. But he uh, anyway, was at one point, yeah. Tom, um, fire away. What do you What do you know about him? You've done some research. Yeah, Keith Moore obviously been. Uh, very much a known quantity at this level. He's been around for a long time. He's going to be 31. Middle of next week, six foot five, once described to me by someone as as thick as mints, and that wasn't meant to be a derogatory thing. It was meant to be a, <laughs> you know, he's a proper championship centre forward. He'll stick his head anywhere, stick his body on the line, sort of thing. And um, just like mints, yeah, exactly. Mints known for putting its body on the line. Um, <laughs> in, in a weird way, that sort of works. It's a dead animal. Um, there you are. Um, scored goals at this level. He's I think very much in the mould of what you might expect from Ishmael. Sends forward big, strong, can use his body well, uh, good in the air and, and so on and so forth. I don't see this being too problematic a signing, personally, if we were to go for it, as long as it's not going to cost too much. You reasonably assume he's on manageable wages for us, given he got promoted with Bournemouth, scored four times last season in 12 Premier League starts, obviously not kind of a regular there 
Um, their manager, Andoni Iraola, has said that it, they're not looking to do anything in the number nine area, which maybe implies that he's going to play. He played against Atalanta at the weekend in the preseason friendly, not very many minutes, but he got on. He's also been linked with a return to Cardiff and, and their managers kind of quelled that chat a little bit. So I think there's going to be competition, but it's one that I kind of feel like would be exactly what we need. Proven championship centre forward. I would be personally quite pleased with that one, even if he isn't the sexiest, youngest name on the market. Yeah, I, I just don't know if I can see... I don't know if I see this being a deal we go for. I know we've been linked to him, and I know there's been stories of Gioretta expressing interest and so on, but I think... I, I just... I just don't see it. It doesn't seem like a Watford move for us. I'm not sure if we're going to like the age profile um, to sign him to a to a short term contract. I don't think is feasible. He prob- he's probably got enough interest that he'd get a three year deal somewhere. Uh, and when there's competition for a signing, especially in the same league, uh, it often feels like we don't really push it enough to to win those battles. And I think even the likes of Cardiff will will have that that potential to do so probably is the favourable option for him too. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just I just I just have a feeling this one isn't going to be one we're actually in for, to be honest with you. I hope I'm wrong because I quite like him as a player. I think it adds something to the team and he definitely brings something we've been lacking a little bit in that forward area. So I'd like it to happen. But there's just yeah, just part of me I just I just get the feeling it's not going to. Not to be a downer on it. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Um I think Wesley's probably a good example there of how we don't compete when when there's the opportunity for a uh, a price war to start, we we back out very quickly, don't we? We don't tend to uh, to get involved or try to win those. Well, I think the Wesley one as well. We'll touch on real quick. I think the reporter's story is probably pretty accurate that you know, he had a year left in his contract, um, and we the the loan agreement we were looking for was to pay a percentage of wages, and Stoke effectively said they'd offer him a contract and they'd take on his wages full time. In which case. They're effectively taking over the contract of of Wesley Aston Villa, so you know the, the fees were different, and I guess that's one we just decided wasn't wasn't worth that, perhaps or already, or that turned our attention elsewhere. But yeah, it's it's not one that we're we're not going to overspend what we what the value we place on the player. Um, if other teams are, are willing to do so, it, it doesn't really seem to entice us into into getting in that sort of battle. So yeah, you're right. That's quite admirable, really, in many ways. But um, I, I guess it does mean Watford are going to miss out on on a few deals. Generally, unless it's someone they really want, then maybe they'd change their mind. But um, another one that has been reported is Alfredo Morelos. Um, probably butchered that. The uh, Colombian, I think, from um, from well, free agent actually, but he was at Rangers. Uh, most recently and um, had a pretty good scoring record there, although he does come with baggage in terms of his attitude on the pitch and picks up quite a few of those red cards. But I'm not sure if this one is that feasible because he's also been linked to Saudi Arabia where there is a lot of money on offer and I don't know if Watford are as an attractive offer as... um, Is it Al-Ali or or one of those? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think... Again, if... You know, I don't think it's uh, likely we're going to get drawn into competing with with Saudi. And you know, good don't don't throw good money after bad. Um, 
I think with Morelos, again, I would be absolutely pro it. You know, not that long ago, he's been linked with kind of fairly big money moves to the Premier League. He was scoring goals for fun for Rangers. Even last season, he got 11 uh, Scottish Premiership goals in only 15 starts, despite kind of less game time, certainly fewer starts, fewer minutes. That was his worst return for them since he's been up there, but his record overall is very, very good. 124 and 269 in all competitions. Um, and even the season before, 21-22, he scored some pretty big goals for them on the European stage on their way to the Europa League final, scored against Red Star Belgrade, scored away at Borussia Dortmund, scored against Sparta Prague. So um, season kind of cruelly curtailed by injury, missed the final itself, but played a big part in it. So, you know, a good body of work in recent times. So I had no doubt that he would kind of adapt. And even his... Um, Discipline record. Disciplinary record. I'm not as concerned about that as some might be. Obviously, he's got this kind of reputation, but he got four red cards and 10 yellows in the 2018-2019 season. In the three seasons since, he's only been sent off once, and that was last season. And reading around it, it sounds like that was actually a little bit harsh. So I think it's one of those things where he made such a splash. I don't know if that's quite the right um quite the right adjective quite the right verb in the in the first kind of couple of years in Glasgow that it's kind of tainted everything since but it seems to be something that he sorted I think the bigger issue for me would probably be his fitness that you know he's missed quite a few minutes in the last couple of seasons with injury and you know is that a recurring thing or or what so I would be pro it he's a different physical shape to to Kiefer Moore but I think he isn't entirely unsuitable either for a, for an Ismail side you know he's quite good with his body he's quite broad can get in behind and so on so slightly different but yeah I'd be um, I'd probably be pro signing him as well if um, if it's a genuine option for us okay okay cool um, how about yourself Jordan same question he, yes I think he's someone that he, he, you could probably take the gamble on just for potential goals goal, goal turnover and so on but um, I don't know if he. I think the the well the question for me is I think this is Ismail's team is something that requires a lot of buying into if it's going to be successful and that's obviously what we're hoping is that we do see that application from the players. It's it it's going to ask a lot of them off the ball on the ball. Um, I, I'm not sure if Morales is necessarily. See, I, I don't, I don't get the, the. I don't think he's a particularly. And this is maybe a little bit harsh. So, I don't know if I shouldn't even say it, but I feel like I don't, he doesn't always convince me as being a quite a serious athlete in terms of the condition he keeps himself in. Uh, and that's to play at a, you know, a, in a, in a relatively normal setup. I think if you, if we are going to try and take what Isma did at Barnsley and to a lesser extent West Brom into equation, then you have to have. You have to have the physical capability to even perform and get the opportunity to perform, and I think we have that in the likes of Healy, um, even in Bio, in a slightly different way. I think are you going to put Morales in that team? Is he going to be as productive in in a Watford team, which is going to require him to to be super aggressive off the ball and, and have a high intensity kind of element to his game? I'm not sure if that's what suits him, and it's not even really a criticism of him because I think he is useful and I think he would be quite successful in other cha- other Championship teams. But I just don't know if that side of his game is is his strong suit or is strong enough for him to kind of replicate the the sort of uh, productivity that he's had at a club like Rangers. 
I got real flashbacks to Kike Sanchez Flores calling probably Troy Deeney, but maybe someone else a really serious guy when he was in manager there when you were talking about how seriously he takes his career, <laughs> which is a fair question. <laughs> well, and, and I don't mean that to be just, it's not so much in, it's, it obviously is an insult in some ways, I guess, and who am I to criticise him? But I, I mean, just the condition of the player, he's not, he's not always playing in a, in his in in the best shape possible, and I think he, I just don't know how 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 long he can get away with that and and be successful in a team which requires you to be above average, above league average in terms of, of physical output and, and capabilities. Uh, I just I just think it would be a bit of a bad fit for both parties in some ways. Okay, fair enough. Um, maybe not one that will happen then. One that we think will happen or possibly has happened but has not been announced yet and we're surprised it hasn't yet been is the uh, the signing of the Georgian international Georgi Chakvitets which I think I, I butchered again apologies there George Georgie yeah Georgie boy would be uh, would be a nice one wouldn't it uh, throwbacks to the uh, Northern Ireland international you've forgotten his name haven't you George Best yeah, yeah. I was going to say you've, you've forgotten his name haven't no, you no 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 it was on the tip of my tongue <laughs> um, anyway um, so Georgie boy is he, is he is he here is he coming in I mean we've seen him in, in Watford kit but uh, it hasn't been announced yet which is worrying I think I, th- I don't think it's worrying I think it's just paper I think it's uh, I think it's just registration waiting on on paperwork to be completed I think he played um in the behind closed doors friendly somewhat. oh did he now okay um apparently so I don't know for sure but um yeah I don't think I don't think it's one that's a, a particularly at least at this stage isn't a massive concern obviously I'd like it to be done earlier but I think it's administrative not a case of um complications in agreeing a deal with with a parent club or or with him I think it's just a case of waiting for it to be over the line so we can you know, have him properly registered and available for the first team once the season starts what can you tell us about him Jordan are you excited by him yeah I am excited about him in some ways I think he's he's one which is I, I would put down as a bit of a gamble another that's had a couple of injuries which has set him back somewhat, but he's a player that was was quite highly thought of in in kind of European circles. He he was linked to quite a few top clubs in his in his teenage years. As I said, a couple of injuries had to kind of re- recapture some of that form. But he does offer you something. He's a really really interesting carrier of the ball. He's quick. He plays at he plays at you know full speed most of the time. He's always kind of he's always on a sprint when he's carrying the ball. He's not. He's not passive. He likes to be involved in things and he likes to be at the centre of it. So that's really promising. Obviously, as I said, injuries, you want to, you want to make sure he can stay healthy and, and kind of be up to the standard of you know, quite a combative, long season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a jump, obviously, in standard for him or a little bit of a, a, a change in standard uh, and, and style of play. So that's uh, you know, another adaptation consideration you have to make. But in terms of the sorts of players we're looking at, I think these are st- these are the sorts of gambles that you want to be kind of including into the squad and adds a little bit of excitement, a little bit of potential to to add some some different kind of ways to be productive and, and potentially different avenues of attack. I, I quite like the idea, so uh, hopefully we see it kind of done soon, so we can be involved as soon as possible. In terms of position. He can play centrally. I think probably more likely to be a wide player, just based on the sort of midfielders we're kind of using in in the central midfield. Um, I don't really see him occupying kind of a number eight position as much, although he, as I said, he has played centrally. So, yeah, I think probably an option from the left, but we'll we'll see. OK, 
Okay. Do you think that he's a, he's a starter or, or or someone that's going to work their way into the team? I don't think he. I don't think he. I mean, just by the the, the fact that he, he joined the squad later on, I, I don't think he'll start. Even if available, I doubt he'll start this game against QPR. But he's one that you know you, you'd bring in with the idea that he can hopefully kind of force his way into that first team starting position and and be good competition for the, the other wingers we have in you know Spreer and Martins in Semmer and so on. Let's talk about this game coming up then. It's QPR on Saturday. It was meant to be an away fixture, but uh, it's been reversed. So it's now at home. Uh, a good chance to get down to Vicarage Road uh, and cheer on the boys for the, the first time this season against what we think is going to be quite a weak QPR side. So this should be um, a good opportunity for three points. Fingers crossed. I mean, it's hard to know without seeing the boys play yet, but... It feels like a good opportunity for the first game this season. I think it's just the result. Uh, just the result. <laughs> That's preemptive. It's just the opponent we probably need. That said, obviously, it's entirely different. You can't read too much into pre-season. Quite often you see teams that have these appalling pre-seasons and then have a really good season or at least make a really good start. We certainly can't take anything for granted and I'm sure um, Sunderland I was about to say QPR will be you know reflecting on the game at Loftus Road not that long ago which was Chris Wilder's first game where we were just absolutely appalling in all areas of the pitch I think the one thing that people have watched pre-season friendlies more than I have have said is we at least look coached this year which we didn't look at at that point of last season so that's something um, QPR were on obviously a, a miserable run in, in 2023 only three wins since the turn of the year one of those was against us and the other two were in the final three games of last season I think they've been kind of universally tipped to be real strugglers this season and, and looking at the, the transfer business they've done a bit kind of underwhelmed it has to be said to see they signed Jack Colback today who I just think is a very very nothing player Asmir Begovic who was a good goalkeeper about 10 years ago Paul Smythe from Leighton Orient might make the step up and then Morgan Fox who got let go by Stoke Taylor Richards who's meant to be reasonable I think from Brighton and then a lad I've never heard of young lad I've never heard of left back from Fulham so yeah I'm not kind of blown away by the the business they've done either and and I just wanted to read you the comments from Gareth Ainsworth after that 5-0 defeat at Oxford United and it was by the way a pretty strong QPR team that played they did lose centre-back Jimmy Dunn fairly early on with a, a bad shoulder injury but he said afterwards Ainsworth it wasn't good enough for me it wasn't good enough for the fans we were out fought and outrun by Oxford we totally lost our way I'm pleased where we were in some aspects but that wasn't good enough we've been conv- convincingly beaten by a league one side and I apologise to the fans for that I think if you're in a position where you're making apologies like that and calling out your team like that in pre-season you are not in a good place so we really need to be making sure we give them a bit of a slap and get our season and the, the Ismaili are up and running properly. Q, 1-0 defeat. Yeah, exactly. I watched the um, extended highlights of that game and after they just looked so just, just like the, the front line especially just didn't look interested at all. I thought um, those guys who kind of expect them to be their spark were pretty flat and uh, but yeah, this this is the thing. I mean, it, it can all change come come match day one. So that's we have to kind of we we can't be too complacent about it. But it is an opportunity to to yeah come out firing a little bit and and see how. The only thing I will say is that there's an element of we we still don't know exactly how Ismail's going to play. 
for sure and what kind of approach we're going to take, whether we're going to be a team that actually does want to play against opposition that looks to dominate the ball and we kind of can play quite direct and quite quickly. We haven't been as direct as he was at Barnsley in pre-season. So maybe we won't be quite as uh, as, as willing to, to play without the ball. But if you are looking to do that primarily, then QPR aren't ideal in the sense they're probably going to be quite respectful of us. Um, I think this season probably would suit us to be not necessarily underdogs, but we don't be playing teams the same way that we were last season where everyone's kind of sitting back and trying to respect Pedro and Sara's threats have worked against us at times. We just didn't really have the quality elsewhere to break them down. I think this year would be quite similar, potentially. Um, so it, it it might be a good matchup, but it could also be a tricky one if they are willing to sit back super compact and just, I mean, it seems ridiculous to say on on the first week of the season, but if they're looking to stop the rot after preseason, then they could be, you know, quite conservative and, and look at Watford as a team that they that they should be trying to, you know, come away with a point or something, then it might not be ideal. But look, I think we have to be pro- we have to be hopefully confident in our own ability to control the game where we can and, and this should be a team that you're looking at first game of the season at home to QPR, you know, favourites for relegation in, in some in some circles, then you you've got to be looking at this as a as an opportunity or at least uh a situation where you should be walking away with with your first win of the season. What do you expect the first eleven of the season to be for Watford? Yeah, I'll jump in there, Matt. I think goalkeeper, obviously, Madu Krakoye. No, I'm joking. Dan Backman in goal. I think it'll be Andrews, Porteous, Hoyt, Lewis at the back. Sierra Alta playing number six. Kone and Loser slightly in front of him and then Semo, Bayo and Martins ahead of... Uh, those three I think obviously information has been f- kind of fairly sparse and you can't read too much into pre-season but Sierra Alta does seem to have been fairly consistently playing that number six role so I think we'll at least see him there at some point on Saturday I think the other kind of central midfielders pretty much pick themselves the wide players probably pick themselves hopefully Ince will be involved I know there's been a lot of conjecture about that and I've questioned it a few times but Jordan's been kind of quite quick to quell any fears. And I think ultimately if the the guy hasn't played a minute of pre-season but is ready for the first game of the season, that's all you can really judge him on. Um, And then I think it's probably a straight toss-up between Healy and Bayo. And I just uh, wonder if Bayo, Bayo, having seemingly played slightly more um, and being kind of reintegrated off that loan spell in the second half of the season might get get the nod at least to start. But I'm sure we'll see both of them at some stage, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Bayo or, or, or Bayo. Yeah, yeah. Would you have any? Would you have any changes? Would you or um, the only to area what you that expect it to be? Well, I mean, I was going to say the only area. There's, there's a few areas out there that I don't like, but that I will put up yeah. with. But I'm not sure if I'm confident with Serralta in that position. Nor me. And I'm just looking around the squad and hoping that there's someone else that can play there instead. Um, I mean, I'd probably put Livermore in there instead of him, but I don't think that'll be the call. So, um, yeah. What about you, Tom? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that Sir Alstron there is a concern for me. I think if they've been doing it in pre-season, then they'll at least give it a go. But I could see that being one where... I don't know, maybe nil-nil at half-time and we're not moving the ball particularly quickly or he's getting given the run-around by QPI. You could see him getting hooked or dropped back into centre-half quite um, quite swiftly. Um, 
I think we'll see plenty of Livermore though over the course of the season. I hope we're going to sign another player that kind of goes in there so you can count Sierra Alta as a, a centre-back again. But yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's an 11 that to me, and especially when you consider there's going to be nine substitutes, as I said earlier, it's a it's a it's probably a match day 20 that screams to me we still need to do a reasonable amount of business. And um, hopefully as the kind of season begins and it becomes apparent that players aren't in favour and players are made available by Premier League clubs and other clubs and so on, it'll be a little bit easier to get some, get some deals done because mm. we've not got a lot of depth in, well, pretty much any position now. Yeah, no, you're right. That's... Uh... That is a worry. Um, as far as the rest of the squad is uh, is concerned, I don't know. It's not a championship winning squad, but we we, we knew that we're not coming into this season, at, you know, looking to to do the same aspirations that we had for last season. I think this season is very much about mm. trying to get into the playoffs rather than you know fighting for for the title which was I think I think I think I'm right in saying that's what we were was, going was, into last season that was the for. stated aim of yeah yeah that was the stated aim of Scott Duxbury last season wasn't yeah. it that you know we don't want to um, be going for anything other than win the bloody thing yeah. uh, which obviously left him with egg on his face yeah I think the absolute best we can hope for this season and that is only if we get some some more good signings in is is a, a playoff push um, I right here right now and I obviously have written a piece and you can check it out on my Twitter or my Medium about the kind of futility of trying to predict what this Watford team are going to be because there have been so many changes, new coach, new style of play, et cetera, et cetera. I think right now, if I, if you know, if you put a gun to my head and said, Tom, you have to make a prediction, I would say we'll probably be kind of mid-table at the moment. I just, I just really don't believe we're much better than that. I think we've got some good players in there, don't get me wrong. I think... Porteous is a good centre-half. I think Hoyt on his day is a good centre-half. I think um, Loser's got ability. Tom Ince, if he's fit and available, has got ability. Esprias, the same. Um, Jamal Lewis could be a decent signing. Healy could be a decent signing. But I just, you look at it and with the players that we've stripped out and plus the ones that, even if they weren't brilliant, like Cathcart and Gosling and Cleverly, you kind of knew where they're, their level was you knew what you were going to get from them there's a lot a lot a lot mm. a lot of unknowns in this 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 team and this squad this season so I find it very hard to yeah. peg us but I do think you're looking at a, a bit of a struggle if we don't get some some uh, some decent player. you know I'm talking three four real decent players that go probably straight into starting 11 contention and then some depth pieces after that well, not the top 20 podcast have picked the winner the last four times in a row and they've got us down at 15th, um, which is a mm. damn sight better than the uh, uh, the AI predicted uh, league table that had us in, what was it, 21st or mm. 20th, something like that. So, yeah, surviving in surviving in 21st, six points above the relegation zone. I never know what to believe in that or read into how much to read into mm. those things. I think the guys on the Not the Top 20 podcast are always very good, um, do a hell of a lot of research in their 1 to 24s. And uh, yeah, as you say, pick the last four championship winners. And I text Ali actually off the back of it because I loosely know him and said, I think you've got us, you guys have got us sort of bang spot on in terms of kind of the 
not necessarily the position, but the rough area of the table and the kind of issues that we face and the challenges that we face at the moment, um, it's it's a work in progress. And I think that was the the thing that we wanted to avoid almost, wasn't it, by getting back into training early, not going away, all these kind of things. He was going to run them ragged for seven weeks. And I suspect that 11 that take the field against QPR on Saturday will look somewhat different to the 11 that finish the final game of the season, put it that way. Or I certainly hope so because, yeah, I, I'm not uh, I'm not convinced this is a team that's up to much as, as it stands. But who knows? I'm, I'm quite prepared to be proven wrong. Nothing would give me greater pleasure this season. Indeed. Okay, um, Jordan has uh, departed early because, well, we have decided to podcast in the middle of his working day. Apologies, Jordan. But um, how about we do a couple of predictions ahead of the season just for fun? Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it it feels like the right time to do it. So how about we start with, oh, okay, well, how about the champions? We've got a few people to talk through here. Uh, I think the big three are going to be the three relegated teams. Often works out that way. Um, but but this season it feels like they're bigger sides than have been relegated in past years yeah it's tough and I think probably most people have tipped one of these three teams for the title I'm going to go with Leeds purely for the basis they've got a coach who's won this won this division twice before in Daniel Farker and they seem to have obviously moved on quite a lot of players but I think they've kept some decent players as well Um, and I just think there's as I was saying a minute ago with the likes of Cathcart and Clever, there's just a bit more of a known quantity about them than there is about Leicester and, and Southampton. Um, so yeah, they're my they're my title pick, certainly. Um do you wanna are you gonna predict as well or do you want me to just run through mine? Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll join in as well. Um Okay. I am not gonna pick one of the big three. I'm gonna go for Middlesbrough. I think they were very impressive last season under Carrick and um, I feel like they can step step on a gear and um, and surprise everybody. I think that the the, the big three uh, is what I'm calling them now are not going to start as quickly as some might expect them to and I think I think I think it could be a surprising. A surprising win for Middlesbrough this season, so I'm going to I'm going to put them in championships, champions rather. Fair enough. So I've got I've got Leicester in second. Bit of a bit of a punt. I think with them they've kept quite. They've obviously lost Harvey Barnes and James Madison. I'm sure those won't be the last kind of big name departures. Tillemans went obviously when his contract expired, but I think they've kept a lot of good players there and the guys on the not top 20 didn't like the signings of Winks and Cody particularly but I I quite I quite do so I think I think they'll be up there but purely for kind of the players that they're able to hold on to um but it, I recognize with Enzo Marisco going in there it's you know it's a bit of a punt and a bit bit of an unknown quantity of manager who who are your runners up um my runners up are your uh champions leads uh for pretty much the same reasons that you said Smart. um I, I, you know, I think they're i think they're, they're you know they're going to be a good side this season um i just i didn't want to pick 
one of the big three. Uh, I think it's something about wherever I go to make my choices, I'm always looking for the uh, for where for where the money is. And um, if if the odds aren't in my aren't, aren't in the favour, then I I like, I like to choose one where I can actually make something off. Um, so that might have been partly playing into uh, my my pick for for But um, I genuinely do think they've got a good chance. But yeah, Leeds are going to be very much up there and um, battling them all the way. So uh, yeah, Leeds are my are my runners up. Fair enough. Playoffs, I've got Sunderland, Middlesbrough, a bit of a northeast bias, uh, Ipswich and Millwall. Just touching on them very quickly, I thought Sunderland were very good last year, obviously finished the season quite well and snuck into the playoffs on the final day, if I recall. Middlesbrough obviously transformed under Michael Carrick. Um, both clubs have done slightly kind of strange business. I don't, insofar as Sunderland have signed a lot of youngsters from abroad that I've Got to be honest, I've just not heard of. Um, Middlesbrough, again, kind of quite a few youngsters. They signed three goalkeepers because um, they seemingly didn't have any left, but obviously did very well last season. A big question mark over whether kind of Tuba, Apcom, Tuba Akpom can uh, build on his golden boot from last season. Then Ipswich, just think they're a well-run club. Did very, very well last year. Like the cut of their jib, like the cut of their squad. Um, Jack Taylor from Peterborough, formerly Barnet, really good signing, really interesting signing. And I think they'll stick to their principles. Good young manager and Kieran McKenna. And then Millwall got very close last season. Got some good players there, recruit well. Obviously, the tragic loss of their owner and, and chairman, John Berylson, over the summer. But I think that might be a bit of a kind of uniting factor in, in really trying to push them on. So um, I'm, go- I'm going to go for those four. And Middlesbrough to nick it. Uh, win the playoffs oh okay I like it I like it I was um, I was trying to come up with my uh, playoff uh, contenders because I I only put down a winner so um, I have probably gone quite surprising here with the winner I I often find that the playoffs are a bit of um, a surprise in themselves and sometimes you can find that the team that sneaks in sixth ends up winning it just because of the the way that it works out the the run in often the player the team that's in sixth is sometimes the one that's you know winning all the games right at the end and they've just managed to get in that's not always the way sometimes they're the team that was in second at one point and they've just slipped down slowly and they finally managed to squeeze in the six but i think it's going to be the 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 first method that i mentioned and i think it's going to be plymouth um they were absolutely fantastic last season in league one they've flew away with it and um they've recruited quite well this season as well and um it it just feels like they will be around that point come the end of the season and if they snuck into it you know what they might just go and do it um in terms of who else is going to be involved in in the championship uh playoffs it's going to be you know the likes of well we've already mentioned them um Leicester, uh, Sunderland. Um, I wouldn't be surprised actually if Millwall were there. You've said Ipswich. Um, you know what? Dark horses, Norwich. You never know what Norwich are going to do. Um, they're a bit like Watford, really, this season. They 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 might surprise people. They might play mm. quite poorly and end up somewhere similar to where we are. But uh, let's throw Watford into the mix as well. Yeah. Why not? Just for fun. Oh, I admire optimism. I admire optimism. What do you, what do you, what do you reckon, yeah? Oh, what, Watford's? 
Yeah, Watford having a, a shot at getting into the playoffs. I mean, that's that's what their aim is this season, right? Well, they've not really said, have they? But oh, I just can't see it, mate. I just cannot see it. As it stands, I think, as I said a minute or so ago, they need to make probably three signings that come in or at least compete to be regular play, regular uh, regular starters. And I'm not confident that they'll get that business done. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel great at all about us. I think we're. I think we could be anything between probably about sixth and sixteenth. You know, so it's quite a wide. I'm casting the net quite wide there and making my my uh, my job a bit easier. But I do. I, that's that's where I feel we're at. That's where I feel we're at. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Why don't you pick me a top goal scorer? Top goal scorer in the division? Ooh. That is not a question I prepared oh, for. Oh, I'm sorry. So Shall I start? I will... No, that's fine. I will throw out a rogue shout and say that if Patrick Bamford gets fit and stays fit and plays... And leads are good, then it'll be him. Okay. Okay. I think that um, Jamie Vardy might surprise a few people this season. Because I think a lot of people have him down as his as his season's more or less run. He's, he's, he's too old to, to compete. But I think he might just fancy the championship. And he's the sort of player that he, he, he scores goals when he gets into the right opportunities. And when he's playing against teams like he's going to be playing against now, he, you know, he could have a fantastic season. Yeah, I, I toyed with him as well, I must admit, because I just kind of feel like someone who's done it for as long as he has in the Premier League. I don't think he's the sort of bloke who will accept being, um, you know, kind of out of the picture, regular sub. And they've obviously got uh, Inacho, who's... I think available and, and Pats and Daka who will probably move on as well. So actually, despite being 36 and it'll be 37 in January, I thought maybe get some opportunities, but I suspect they'll probably sign another striker to alleviate that, um, that pressure on him. So yeah, uh, put it this way. I'm sure he will score against us. The little shit. Okay. Then uh, relegated teams. Uh, yeah. I've gone Cardiff, Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday obviously come up in total disarray. Not sure if Chisco's the man. Got a lunatic owner. Not sold by any of their signings. Rotherham, just, you know, that just, it's a lazy one, but they just perennially seem to bounce between League One and the Championship. Obviously, uh, second season now, but yeah, just not sure about them. And then Cardiff, unproven manager, unknown manager at this level, at least, put a lot of store in signing Aaron Ramsey, but is he the Aaron Ramsey of a few years ago? Absolutely not. Didn't tear up any trees in Nice last season. I just think they've got a very thin squad and they've been kind of, cert- or in terms of quality at least, and they've been circling the drain for a couple of years now. So I reckon it might just about um, just about get them. It was a toss-up between them and QPR, put it that way. Well, QPR were my third choice. Um, I didn't have Cardiff in there at all, actually. But um, yeah, I think Sheffield Wednesday and QPR are are, are down. Rotherham, it felt like, yeah, they're probably one of the most underfunded clubs in the championship, aren't they? I don't know what their financial state is, but they're just, yeah, they're just not an enormous club, are they? And, And yeah, a few kind of, you know, plodding players there now. So yeah, I don't, I don't feel great about them. Definitely not. Yeah, uh, Cardiff's an interesting one, though. You, I mean, yeah, yeah, that they might be struggling this season. 
I have to ask, do you think that Watford will be in danger at all? Of relegation? Um, if this is the squad for the season, yeah, why not? It can suck anybody in. If we get a few quality signings, as I said, no, I think we'll be I think we'll be fine, but I don't think it's gonna be a season to set sort of pulses racing, put it that way. Okay, cool. Thanks very much, Tom. Um and you you, you gave us a Watford position, didn't you? Anywhere between, uh, I'll say anywhere between 6th and 16th, but if you have to absolutely nail me to a position, I will say 13th. 13th. Nice. Um, well, I'm going to be bold and just say 6th. Why not? We might steal it. We might steal it. But if we do, we won't be that team that goes on to win it, like I mentioned earlier. <laughs> no, we won't. Definitely not. Although what we're talking about, yeah, we didn't yeah, see it last not. season in arguably a weaker championship, and with a stronger and, team, uh, we've got a, and we're a stronger team. So I, I think I'm still that uh, crazy old um, believer, even though. But you have to though, otherwise, what's the point in going along to the to the games and, and supporting the t- like? If 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 I knew now that Watford were going to finish, I don't know, fifteenth, I wouldn't care about going to the games as much as if I thought that we had an opportunity. I believe every, every game that I go to um, that we can win. I just don't believe we're going to get enough wins over the course of the season to be anywhere near playoff contention. But I'm regularly wrong, especially on these sort of matters. So let's hope that's the case again. Fair enough. That's me. I always admire a realist. That's it. <laughs> The realistic pragmatist. Um, Tom, thank you very much for joining us again on the Watford Buzz. It's been delightful. Um, thank you to Jordan as well. And thanks to all of you for listening and interacting with the pod on Twitter and uh, any other social media that we get involved with. Uh, it's always grateful and um, it's just nice to have a little chat about, about what we think is going to happen uh, this season, which seemingly is not so negative as we thought, but probably not as positive as we'd hoped. So it's somewhere in the middle, which is about probably where we belong. And with the football almost back, we'll be back to our regular broadcasting schedule, which should be more or less once a week. Um, doing two games in one week if there is a midweek game um thanks for sticking with us guys it's been um a pretty long summer uh, as we enter into our fourth season i think i think it's the fourth season yeah wow that's flown by hasn't it fourth season then and um if you want to support us you can do um, we have a patreon page it just gets us a, a c- couple of pints when we will eventually get together when jordan uh, makes his uh, long trip over the Atlantic um, and uh, hopefully when that happens as well we can invite a few of you down to, to um, and have a good time um, okay then until next time uh, we've been the Watford Buzz podcast and uh, we'll see you next week for hopefully the uh, the first victory of the season we hope goodbye <laughs>